0: The Fresh Fiction Podcast is brought to you by Ravel and Bethany House Publishing. We're so excited to be partnering with these two amazing publishing houses this season. Um, You're going to get to see lots of their authors featured every single week on this podcast. And then when they're not featured, we'll be talking a little bit about them. But we're really super excited and thank you so much. So if you can, just make sure you stop by their website and find out a little bit more about Bethany House and Ravel. and welcome to the inaugural Fresh Fiction Podcast. My name is Gwen Reyes. I'm going to be your host and a possible new best friend. Who knows how this is really going to go for us, but I'm hoping that you will stick around and enjoy what we have to offer. Um, I am really kind of nervous. This is my first time doing this, so it's a little weird doing it by myself. I've um, done podcasts in the past uh, for some local places in Dallas and then with some friends in Pittsburgh. So this is my first sort of solo foray and I'm very excited to talk to you guys a lot about um, the things that I love to read and the things that I love watching and the things that I love to listen to. So if you stumbled upon this uh, podcast, you probably already know about Fresh Fiction, but i um, just... So in case you don't, uh, Fresh Fiction is the company that my mom and I started. We are small business owners, which is very, very important to us, and women business owners. Um, We bring readers and authors together through our website, through our in-person events in Dallas. Um, We just like to build a giant community for readers because that's so important to us. And then my passion in, within the company is I love film and television and I'm actually um, a film and television critic and I have been since, 19, since 2009 which 1999, that'd be super cool I was still in high school so whatever um, but uh, since 2009 I've been writing and reviewing movies and TV shows and I'm part of the Television Critics Association in uh, Los Angeles which is super fun and super cool so you'll get to see or get to hear about my trips in the summer and the winter when I go and do press junkets out there. Um, but really I just like to watch movies and read books and hang out with my uh, fiance and I'm just kind of a boring person but what's great is that now I have this really cool outlet. Of having a podcast where I get to talk to people about what they're reading and what they're watching and what they're listening to. And a lot of them are going to be authors. Just like today, we've got a really awesome author, uh, Valerie Frazier-Lessie, who has a debut novel out called Missing Isaac. And I'm going to talk to her a little bit later in this podcast. But um, first, I just want to talk to you guys and let you get to know me a little bit better and see what I'm up to. Um, I've just got finished. Right before I recorded this podcast, I just finished watching five episodes of the Lifetime series *Unreal*. Uh, The new season started this Monday, and it airs every Monday um, until they run out of episodes. But uh, we—I got five episodes of it, and I just completely absorbed it. I watched the pilot, or not the pilot, the first episode earlier in January, and then just kind of. Uh, fell off of it. But um, today was just the perfect day to watch um, Rachel and Quinn just go at it and make an amazing show. I uh, I don't know if you guys are big Bachelor fans. I know that The Bachelor just finished here. But what's really cool about Unreal, it's in its third season, um, it's that it is about two producers working on a Bachelor-type show and they, all the hijinks and the stuff and the manipulation that they do to get these sort of responses from their suitors and suitress, which is what we get this third season. We're actually going to get a woman suitor, which is really cool. And um, they didn't even change it like they do with The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. They just keep it still called Everlasting, which is really neat and kind of progressive. So I'd love to see ABC do that with their Bachelor series. But I know can't always do everything like that. Um, but yeah, it's really a great show, and I didn't expect to talk to talk to you guys about it today. I was actually going to talk to you about Atlanta, uh, Robin season, which starts um, tonight. I'm recording this on Thursday, but it's on uh, every Thursday on FX, and it stars Donald Glover as a. Um, I wouldn't call him an aspiring music uh, or art. Uh, what is he? A talent agent or talent manager for his cousin, Paperboy. Um, I wouldn't call it. Uh, I wouldn't call him aspiring because he is doing it he is, he's he's kind of hustling and then this second season um, he I've seen three episodes of it already he's really struggling to kind of deal with this new position that he has in life he's still you know he's he's on the rise but still not quite getting it um, and I, I love I love the hustle in the show and I think that it's so honest and so real and it just shows these characters as they're trying to do their passion. And I love any sort of story that involves people's passions. And I actually watched a clip of Donald Glover earlier today on um, uh, the late show with uh, Stephen Colbert talking about, how um, he doesn't believe that people want to see shows about people who made it. That he wants to watch shows about people trying to make it. So I really agreed with that because I, I thought kind of was like that's a really weird way to think about it. But I think that's really true. And um, I, I, as a, a viewer and as a critic, I see the quality and something of watching somebody from nothing build up their empire. So there's lots of potential in future seasons of Atlanta. And um, as we know, it w- it's already won tons of awards. And it's a little bit of a polarizing so- show. So if you haven't watched it yet, you can catch up on the first season of um, Atlanta on Hulu. And the second season will be available um, on FX every single Thursday. So you have a chance. And then if you're interested in Unreal, I think that that's on Netflix. Um and uh the second the third season's just starting now so the second season should be available for you guys to watch it. Um but yeah, I just really love television. That's probably one of my biggest passions. Uh my fiance and I spend a lot of time watching Monday Night Wrestling and Tuesday Night Wrestling and Sunday Night Wrestling and when it's on when it's in season, I watch Total Divas. So I spend a lot of time watching wrestling cuz it's mindless and I can do work while it's on in the background and I'm spending time quality time with uh with my dude. And, um, but other than that, that's pretty much it. I watch just whatever comes into my email box. I try it out. Um, but what I am listening to right now, I just saw the, I just saw like the rest of America. I just watched Black Panther over the weekend. And, uh, before I saw that I had been like just completely consuming the soundtrack for it because I love Kendrick Lamar. Um, and so he actually produced and appears on every single track on the Black Panther soundtrack, and it's pretty good. Um, it's not when I first listened to it; I thought it was exceptionally good. But as I've kind of gone into it, and the same with I had the same problem with the film. But um, it it's doing something that's very important, and it has a really great social message to it. But it's almost a little too poppy, um, which you know I think you need for a mainstream album. But at the same time, I I kind of feel like it uh, the pop and the shine of it kind of dilute the message for me but that's not to say it's not a good album and it's not worth your time and it's also not to say that I haven't listened to it every single day for the last two weeks because I have Um, but yeah it's really great you can I've been streaming it on Apple Music but you can get it pretty much on any platform um that has music or if you're a person who likes to buy music you can still get it on iTunes or Amazon Music or Google Play so there's tons of places that you can get your fingers on the Black Panther soundtrack um, but that's about it for me right now. I am going to take a quick break and thank our amazing sponsor, uh, Bethany House and Revel Publishing. Um, we're so excited to be partnering with Revel and with um, Bethany House this first half of our season. It's going to be really fun, and you're going to get to know a lot of their really awesome authors. And you'll get to know me as well. I hope to be your new best friend. That's kind of what I'm going for. And um, But up first, we've got Valerie Fraser lessie Valerie chatted with me about her debut novel *Missing Isaac*, um, which is a really beautiful and I actually found it very topical historic uh, history piece about um, a fa- two families in rural Alabama in the 1960s. So this is perfect for Jim Crow and um, the Civil Rights Movement. And I think it's very resonant in today's uh, climate as well, but. We've got um, Isaac Reynolds, who goes missing from the tiny, unassuming town of Glory, Alabama. The townspeople's re- reactions range from concern to indifference, but one boy will stop at nothing to find out what happened to his friend. So, um, yeah, it's it's got it's got class issues. It's got a little bit of romance in there, um, and you just kind of fall in love with these characters. And I fell in love with Valerie. So I hope that you have. Uh, a moment to listen to Valerie and let us know in the comments um, and you know rate us review us all that good stuff we'd love to hear from you and tell me how my first one goes even if you hated it I appreciate any sort of feedback and uh, yeah it's okay well enjoy Valerie and I will see you next week um, I'm really excited because this is your debut novel um, uh-huh. and you have had such a very fascinating backstory so I just was curious if you could tell our listeners a little bit about um, yourself and how you first stumbled into your southern living um, senior writer or senior editor position.
1: Um, well that was a journey. Uh let's see. I, I grew up in Alabama, I grew up in rural Alabama and so Southern Living was always just this presence, you know, everybody takes the magazine down here. And so I once I got interested in writing, I really always wanted to work there. And so, um, as I went into college and everything and I I would just, you know, apply and if I met folks from Southern Living I would make sure they knew I wanted to, to work there and eventually I got a job there, um, in corporate communications and then um, but I was always friends with people at the magazine who kind of mentored me mm-hmm. and uh, and coached me on storytelling and involved me in the magazine even before I worked there. And then so I spent the first 10 or 11 years of my career with the parent company and then uh, went on to Southern Living Edit. And uh, so I was there for about 10 years and then freelanced a while, which is when I wrote this book. Um, I started it the last year that I was there and then worked on it when I was freelancing, and then when they were celebrating their 50th anniversary, they invited me to come back and uh, work on a couple of projects, and then they just put my name on the door and told me to hang around for a while, so um, so I came back as their senior travel editor, so it's been really fun uh, because you get to travel all over the South, and I've, I've had that privilege to go to so many interesting places and the magazine is so well received mm-hmm. um that you really do get to see you know sort of behind the scenes anywhere you go and uh so so it's been a really really interesting way to um i didn't realize i was researching fiction <laughs> but i kind of <laughs> was <laughs> because i was learning about people and places and and all that kind of good stuff and the south is where i want to set all of my books
0: okay yeah, that's what I was curious because I saw that you had such a like a prestigious nonfiction background. but had you always been interested in fiction while you were doing all your other writing?
1: Yes, uh, I always was. and and this the first book started with something I had dabbled with as a short story for literally a couple of decades, wow. and uh, and it was just based on uh, a couple of family stories. My, my I come from a big extended family, and, um, you know, in the country, you just tell stories to entertain each other, mm. and so my uncles had told me some uh, stories like the deserted sawmill back in the woods that came from something they told me um and and the disappearance of, of of one of the farm workers was something that they had heard about from decades ago um and nobody ever solved that mystery so that got me that got me to thinking you know well what how could that happen mm-hmm. in a small town how could somebody just vanish and nobody know where he is so um those old sort of family stories got me interested but I've always kind of dabbled and I've liked um enjoyed essay writing which I got to do quite a bit of at Southern Living so um I just always wanted to see if I could tell a good story so um I started doing it just the the last year that of my my first stint at Southern Living was pretty tough because that was during the recession Mm. and things were really hard on magazines so I really just wanted something to take my mind off of all that Mm -hmm. and I just started writing. Just you know, sat down with my cat and a candle early in the morning, and while uh, my husband slept, and we we wrote that story together.
0: Oh, that's amazing! Is the cat still in your life now?
1: That one is no longer with us. He was much gloved for 14 years. There is a younger one that is now pestering me while I write. Oh, good. <laughs>
0: I'm glad that you still have a friend. Uh, you I know. still
1: have a, I still have a fur buddy. So, uh, so yeah. <laughs> but um, I, th- I think that magazine writing was was really good training uh, for fiction writing because um, you're just trained, especially at Southern Living, to listen to the way people talk and to pick up on the nuances of, of different little cultural pockets in the South. Mm-hmm. And that really paid off for me when I started trying to to tell a story, just having had that experience of interviewing so many people and listening to their stories and seeing how they connected to the place where they live. Um, that was really great training ground for this.
0: Yeah, because I think especially with a, a book that I, I felt with Missing Isaac that the, the, one of the big characters, too, is is this town in Alabama, and I think that mm-hmm. you really captured that, and especially now knowing that you, you know, being a travel editor, it makes sense. You interviewed so many different types of people that it could help mm-hmm. form these characters.
1: And they really just sort of started talking on their own. Uh, I had the privilege of interviewing Fanny Flagg right uh, toward the, when I was just trying to, you know, get started, and we were talking about... Writing and I uh, and I told her that I was I was just starting out and trying to write something and I said, you know, sometimes I wake up and these people are already talking. Am I crazy? And she said, Oh no no no, that's how it <laughs> you know, that, that just happens. So um, and and they do and that's the fun part to me is is not really knowing what's gonna happen and just letting the characters come alive and and talk to each other. Um, I hired a, a buddy of mine who was freelancing at the time to just be my sounding board and, and, and help me develop the character. So we would meet over fried green tomatoes at this little cafeteria in Birmingham and, and, and talk about the stories. And he kept begging me for an outline. And I said, I don't have one because I have no idea what's going to happen, which <laughs> drove him a little bit cheaper But I didn't. I just kind of let it go because I wasn't really thinking about whether I would publish it or not. I was just really trying to write a good story. And um, so it was a lot of fun to watch them come to life. So that's so interesting.
0: So you didn't want, you just kind of wanted to have the practice and the exercise of of finishing the project.
1: Yeah, I just wanted, um, everything was kind of structured in the magazine world back then. Or it had gotten that way. And I just really wanted something that had no boundaries, Mm -hmm. that really didn't have any walls around it and so i just said you know i didn't think about marketing i didn't think about genre i didn't think about any of that i just sat down and with this boy i started out with pete and dovey and isaac and that was about it the other characters were just cardboard they were just kind of there to be obstacles for Pete and Debbie, but they didn't want to be that. So they started taking on color and they started taking on personalities and then it, it just evolved from there. It just turned into this whole community, which wasn't what I saw coming at all, but it really ended up to me. The book is as much about the community mm-hmm. um, as anything. It's about the, the place that forms these people. So it just all happened kind of, organically I guess would be the word um that's a nice way to say I had no plan <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you find yourself now um with your next book that you're working because I'm sure you're working on another book I know Ravel would not let you get away no. with just having this one um would do you find yourself being a little bit more structured or do you enjoy kind of letting the characters come to you and you write them when they're ready
1: I still do that but it's harder this time around because I have a deadline yeah <laughs> you know I didn't have that second manuscript is due in March so um it's a little bit harder this time uh because I you know I get more frustrated with myself when it's not just opening up to me but you you just kind of have to wait for it to come it's not like magazine writing where you know you do your research you do your interviews you organize your story and then you get your lead and then you can go with it i mean you just sort of make it happen but fiction at least for me doesn't work that way i kind of have to wait for it to kind of show itself um and sometimes you just it does it at the 11th hour um i fortunately figured out some things staring at the gulf this weekend so um I, I don't think I'll disappoint my editor, <laughs> but, but I don't think, uh, you know, I should tell her that it took until February, whatever, to, to have that little revelation when it's due in March. But um, it, it was, uh, it, it's, it's very rewarding when that happens, but you just kind of have to let it appear to you.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, the good thing also is that being um, a journalist and being an, a magazine writer, you understand how to write quickly.
1: Yes, I do. And I, I'm used to deadlines and I'm used to very quick deadlines. So the, the folks at Revell have been very generous with their deadlines, you know, like, oh, my goodness, I'm used to things being due this afternoon, not in three weeks. Right. But uh, but they have been just terrific to work with. And when I get stuck, I actually call my editor, you know, or, or email her or send her, a, a you know, an excerpt and go, this is where I am. But and and she's just great at guiding and sort of nudging me along without you know, taking over the story. She just kind of gives me that little push that says, well, maybe you need to think about this, or maybe you need to have a look at that. And just enough to get me thinking in the right direction. So, um, she's been great.
0: That's awesome. Well, and I, um, just t- talk a little bit about missing Isaac. Um, for our readers who haven't had a chance to, to read the mm-hmm. book, can you give us a little synopsis of what it's about?
1: That is actually the hardest part. I like to, like, I'm i training you. <laughs> <laughs> training. though, so, yeah. Um, well, it's basically, to me, I see this kind of three things in one. It's it's part coming of age, it's part mystery, and it's kind of solving this disappearance of Isaac Reynolds. And then it's also, it's also a love story. Um, but it's how these three families, one is a wealthy white family, one is a poor white family, and one is a black family. And they've been, as you tend to be in the rural South, connected to each other in some way for generations. Um, And it's sort of how this whole era in the early 60s, when the civil rights movement was happening and things were changing so quickly, how it affected them and their relationship and how Pete, who's the central character, how his tremendous affection and devotion for Isaac as his friend leads him to kind of discover some things about his community, about race and class. Because I think class is as much a a divider as race can be Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, those divides between people. Um, and I wanted to explore that a little bit. Um, and I also wanted to look at two types of characters in particular, which are poor Southerners and Christians who often get to me, stereotyped Mm -hmm. in like TV and movies and and things. And I just kind of wanted to show them the way that I grew up with them. Um, But I really wanted to explore just those ties of love and friendship and community at a very, you know, turbulent time in the South.
0: Yeah, that was one of the things that I thought was so interesting about the book is that, you know, it takes place in 1961, but it's so Mm -hmm. relevant and topical now to what we're as a country going through as well. And I think that you're exactly right. Like you're opening people's eyes to we think back of the 1960s and you know jim crow and and civil rights Mm -hmm. movement Mm -hmm. of being southerners are bad and i'm from texas and i'm a very proud southerner and yeah it's 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 a challenge because i'm like there had to be people that weren't like that and i think that you show the nuance in this book Mm -hmm. that um people may not have been able to really kind of reflect upon with 40 or 50 years later
1: well it's it's different in different parts of the south i mean The the marches and the demonstrations—they didn't happen in little bitty farming communities Mm -hmm. like where I grew up. So the changes came differently, you know, um, and and maybe on a different timeline in in smaller towns. And I think that there were, you know, there was absolutely some just horrific violence um, during that era. But there were also sort of quieter little. Revolutions, I guess you would say, where, mm-hmm. where people were just trying to figure out what's right. You know, they re- literally just what is right? If what we always thought was right isn't, it? then what is? And, and there are a lot of decent people just trying to work their way through that. And it was confusing um, and, and difficult. But um, I think it. what I hope the book conveys is that so much of what is perceived as hate is based on fear. You know, it's just not understanding the other person. Um, and that's sort of where I, I had a scene where Pete and Isaac are fishing, and he says it never occurred to him that his friend didn't want to be where he was. And it's a real kind of kick in the gut to Pete to find out he really, Isaac really didn't want to farm cotton. He wanted to be a sailor. You know, so that, those little things I think are important in terms of understanding each other.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's so true. And I think that people forget that nowadays, too. So the, mm-hmm. that's the great opportunity for fiction is to show people uh, the human elements so that they can kind of see themselves or see their friends in these
1: characters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I just loved them. I love spending time with them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> would you would you ever know that you've got your story for your next book, but would you ever want to maybe come back to this town or is that where this is it going to be a series in a way?
1: I don't, that is, uh, I'm talking with Ravel about that. I actually had started a sequel and, um, we ended up deciding to do something completely different for the second book, but I absolutely, I want to go back to glory. I do. Mm -hmm. I want to go back and revisit those characters. I want to spend some time, um, with John and Lila, who were the widowed parents of, of Pete and Debbie. I want to spend more time on them and with them and their relationship. And, um, and there are just so many interesting things with the trips that, Pete and Debbie have decided to take, that gives me an opportunity to take them someplace really interesting and surprising and dramatic, you know? So, um, so yeah, I definitely want to go back to those characters, but I'm really excited about the ones I'm working with right now.
0: So is your next book, is it going to be another period piece or is it going to be um, contemporary?
1: It's going to be another period piece. It's set in the 1940s, cool. um, during world war two, um, we have a tentative title. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that out loud yet, so I'll keep my mouth shut, okay. which is very hard for me being a Southern <laughs> girl, as you know. Um, but it's, it's based on, again, something that happened back home, which was um, during the war – because land was so cheap in the South, the uh, military, U.S. military built a lot of munitions plants in the South and shipyards in the South. And so the depression was late leaving the South. So there were a lot of folks who were desperate for work, um, really all over the country. And so when those plants started springing up down here, you had all these families from up north moving to the South to find work. And There weren't any condos or anything for rent, so they moved in with Southern families. And there were people in my family who moved out of their own house and moved into a smaller house so they could rent out more rooms, because everybody down here was trying to make money Mm -hmm. any way that they could. And so you had these people from completely different cultures and different backgrounds, you know, sitting around the table together and living under the same roof together. So I just thought that kind of lent itself to some to some drama and some interesting storytelling. So that's where I'm going next time.
0: That's so cool, and it's interesting too because I think that continuing with maybe a trend that you'll find as your career continues is that shining a light on these different aspects of the South that so many people don't know about is going to be a really mm-hmm. great eye-opening experience for readers
1: it's and it's it's so exciting because i've met so many interesting people the the mississippi delta on the river is fascinating and the people there are just phenomenal and then you have the outer banks of north carolina which was those wild islands with the big surf and um little Ocracoke island which has a culture of its own and um my husband and i love louisiana we love southwest louisiana and cajun culture mm-hmm. um there's so many different kind of so much folklore down there to play around with that I, I tend to be drawn to the coast, so especially the Gulf Coast, the Florida Keys are fascinating. So I, I'm never going to run out of places. Yeah. <laughs> I might run out of ideas, but I'm never going to run out of settings.
0: That's awesome. Next time, we eventually, maybe you could even just do a heist book where they have to go all over the
1: South. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, it's just uh, I don't know. I just I, I love. I love exploring the way people are connected to place. And that's probably typical of the South. You know, I think a lot of writers have have explored that, but it's just so interesting to see the way um, people connect with where they are and how it shapes them. So that's what I'll, I'll stick with.
0: That's awesome. I definitely agree. Well, um, I, we're, we're almost done. We've, we, this, this was a great interview. You're so awesome to chat with. Um, Thank you. You How can listeners uh, find out more about you?
1: Well, let's see. Um, You can get the book anywhere books are sold, and at uh, Baker Publishing's website, and I think it's BakerBookHouse.com. They'll they'll get me if I get that wrong, but I think that's (laughs) where you can order it. But you can get it anywhere that books are sold, and then I have a Facebook page for just books, which is just uh, Valerie Frazier Leslie Books on Facebook, and that's where I've been posting um, some of the, the essays that I still write on Sundays. I do a little blog post called Sunday Morning Serenity, and then um, I've been posting uh, the some of the reviews and publicity that Rebel has been so great to uh, get for the book. They've really been behind it and, and done so much to, to get it out there, which is wonderful. So, uh, you can find me on Facebook. Awesome. Well, great.
0: Well, Valerie, thank you so much. And I know you thank and your, you. your husband are going to go continue on your adventure home, but thank yes. you again. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it so much. I, I thank you. And I look forward to chatting with you for the next book.
1: Awesome. awesome. Give me a call.
0: Thanks, Valerie. Have a great rest <laughs> of your day.
1: You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you so much to Valerie Fraser lussey for taking the time out of her day to chat with us and chat with me about her book, Missing Isaac. It was a real treat to spend the, the um, afternoon talking with her and um yeah we've got some more authors coming up and again i'd like to thank revel and bethany house for sponsoring us this season you'll get to see some more of their authors next week and uh yeah just make sure you subscribe or continue to download us or do whatever you got to do um i want to make sure that you guys are having a good time so if there's ever a film or a movie or film and movie those the same things if there's ever a tv show or a movie or an album that you're excited about or a podcast that you want me to recommend please do share that with me you can always find me at um real vixen r-e-e-l-v-i-x-n i'm on facebook twitter and uh, instagram with that name I was briefly on Vero, but I canceled that because, you know, psychos. Um, but you can also follow Fresh Fiction, and that's just Fresh Fiction, all one word, um, on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook as well. You can reach us at our Fresh Fiction website, which is freshfiction.com. Or if you're looking for movie and film, movie and TV reviews, you can hop over to freshfiction.tv. And again, if you're in the Dallas Fort Worth area, come and join us for one of our events. We do lots of in person events. We have one book club going every single week. Um, and then we also have big events in the summer and in the fall. So if you're more if you're interested in that, just stop by freshfiction.com to get more information and I will talk to you next week.